we're going to pick back up where we've been talking about called If I Pray. And um, the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. People have a lot to say about prayer. And um, it's important to know and approach God based on His terms. But today we're going to talk about a subject that is probably... um, you know, regularly faced by people in this world. And, you know, and there are all kinds of phrases and terms about this, but we're going to talk about worry because, you know, there can be some wrong ideas about worry. Like, you know, people will say things like this. Well, if you don't worry, you don't care. Anybody ever heard something like that? You know, and people will almost get upset with you if you don't worry with them. And, um, but worry, man was not created to worry. Man was not created to carry worry in their life. As a matter of fact, God did not create people like that. And if you try to carry worry in your life and think, I can do this, it'll actually have an ill effect on you. You cannot carry worry, and God does not want you to worry. I mean, you think about it, you never hear people who's, you know, deal with worry or nervous, you never hear, at least I've never heard this, somebody say, I've got so so much worry, I'm so nervous right now, I just feel like I'm going to overflow with joy. People don't say that. People don't say, well, I'm so worried right now, I just feel like this is helping me focus on the important things of life. It, It doesn't do that. And then you never hear this, you know, well, you know, I've been worrying so much, I just feel like, man, I'm just being, I'm just getting stronger and built up all the time. You never hear that when it comes to worry, because worry is contrary to us. If we worry, then really it's like adding something wrong to our life or allowing something wrong in our lives that does not belong in us. And so if you will, open up your Bible to 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. I mean, think about it. We talk about nervous breakdowns. Don't they talk about that, having a nervous breakdown, not a nervous buildup? And so if you, you know, if you're full of worry and concerns, we already know that this is not going to build you up. It's not going to help you. Jesus actually gave much time to teaching. Some places he gave like a chapter to it. And uh, obviously it wasn't written in chapter and verse when the Bible was first written, but he gave big chunks to this thought of worry. And so if he did, and he didn't create you to worry, are you just doomed to worry? You know, sometimes people have been uh, raised up to worry, and they have. And they just maybe didn't know better. And they, they were raised up a worrier. They watched people worry in their, in their surroundings. And the people, you know, you, they get around those people. And all they do is talk worry. They discuss worry. They don't know a way out. And so that's what they do. And then, then you know, what do you talk about if you don't talk about worry? You know, it's interesting because... People sometimes don't know what to do if some things are eliminated out of their life. Think about that. 
there is something to do, but worry does not help us. And, you know, people just in general, they'll strike up a conversation, and uh, if you pay attention, sometimes they'll just strike it up about a problem. And uh, you see that they're just concerned and worried and, uh, you know, how it's not going to work out and how things are going to be bad and different things like that. And they carry worry. And that is not helpful for them. Now, don't beat people up over it if they have worry. They've already got enough going on that's not good. But we're talking about us. What can you do about yourself? Can you, if you were a world champion worrier, not win at that anymore, but get free from it and not live in worry. And this is something that everybody needs to deal with. Some people more than others, but worry is bad. Let me say that again. Worry is bad. <clears throat> How's this going to turn out? I don't know what to do. Worry in itself is the opposite of trust. You with me? And so what happens is when people are worrying, they are not trusting. Now, they might trust in themselves, but we're talking about trust in God. And so when people are worried, full of anxiety, they are not relying on God. They're not... They're not thinking and believing God is going to fix this and work on my behalf and move on my behalf. They're troubled because I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And all they do when they worry is start picturing the failure, the problem, how it's going downhill, how it's not going to get better. <clears throat> and that's really what worry will do to you. It will paint images that are bad and not good. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are trusting God, there would be a different image in you. And here's something that's interesting about worry, is there are some things people worry about that never, ever come to pass. And here's the problem with that. <clears throat> people who have learned how to worry like that, and it didn't come to pass... They, I don't know if they don't examine their life or it hasn't been presented to them, but once they get past that area of worry, it's almost like another thing pops up and they examine it and go, oh, it's going to be bad, and they start worrying about that. They could go on for two or three weeks, and then it didn't turn out bad. Nobody's ever been there like that. <clears throat> it didn't turn out bad. And then, uh, and then they're like, woohoo. And then uh, a couple days later, something else pops up and they start getting concerned about that. And they worry about that for a week or a day or two. And it doesn't turn out bad. But you know what that does to you. Do you know what that does to you internally? Nobody knows. It's not positive. I don't know what happens with me. Have you ever been around somebody who's totally worried and stuff like that? They're all like, whoa, you know, normally, and then they're like, Ugh. that is not good. 
And it's not, and I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going, oh, shame on you. But I'm saying there is an answer to worry. And really, you can have problems in your life or things you face and learn how to get rid of the worry and deal with the worry and actually have peace and see things resolved. But it doesn't happen overnight. You're going to have to learn how to do this, especially if you've been traveling down the other path and you are just like a world champion warrior. And you just built yourself up that, you know, if anybody's going to worry, it'll be me. You know, and people are proud of worry. They are. You know, they'll even make statements. There's nobody who worries like me. You know I care. And then if you say, well, I'm not going to worry about that, people look at you like, oh. And they do. I know because I work with people. And I'm not talking people just out there. I'm talking about people in the church. Ooh. (laughs) It's getting exciting in here. You can tell. But people get like, whoa. And what they don't realize is, is it's just not a good thing to worry. Jesus said this. He said, your worry can't add one inch to your height. It will not change things at all. Anybody ever learned that all your worrying does nothing? I mean, even if something did turn out bad, it would be better not to worry on the way to the destination than worry and then see it. And you go, oh, I knew it was going to happen like that. Well, then why worry about it? You with me? Worry is not good. It's not helpful. You know what's real interesting? Now, I believe if you worry, it it is not God's way. Okay? So don't freak out over what I'm about to say. So if you fall short from a way that God has for you, you know that would be called sin. Now, I know we don't like that, but if you go to the book of Revelation where it names the people who don't inherit, you know, heaven. Now, I'm going to say something to help you out here. But he talks about those who defile themselves with the world and adulterers and murderers and everything. But you know what the number one thing is on the list? People who worry. Now, I didn't say you're going to hell. But that is the way of the world. I believe this. I believe you can worry and go to heaven. Because you go to heaven because you're saved. And you have new life in Christ. But I'll tell you what, you might end up going to heaven early because you worry. You with me? It, it, will, it will hurt you. Well, now that I've introduced this, wouldn't it be nice to learn how to not worry? You know, that is the way for the Christian. I mean, we know for a fact 
that when we go to gas stations and you drive up and now, you know, you push a button and it's, you know, whatever octane, you get three choices, you know, a higher grade of octane in the gas. And then there's usually another uh, nozzle there with a hose and it's got, you know, it sits in something normally that's green. It's totally a different color. And up above it says diesel. And do you know that they make those things so they won't fit in an unleaded car, I believe it is, or vice versa, because they don't want you to shove that thing in there and put something in there that would make it not run right? Did you know that? That they, they, they've worked to do that for us. Why, why would they do something like that? Because they know people probably are prone to just grabbing something and going, okay, oh, that one's cheaper. <laughs> oh, that's more expensive. But remember, you know, sometimes it's the other way, you know, or it has been at times. Wow, diesel's cheaper, you know, or whatever. And people just go, oh, that's a cheaper price. They don't read anything. Just grab it and shove it in there. Hey, this is not helpful, but there is an answer for people to not worry. So turn to 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. And really, the different writers in the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament wrote about this. God cares enough about you that he does not want you to worry. <clears throat> he knows it's detrimental to you. He knows it can open you up to things that uh, would be harmful to you let's put it this way, you can get to the place where you don't have to worry anymore at all. And that's the truth. It may seem totally like a foreign idea, but there is a way to do it, and you can literally get past worry and live free from worry. I used to worry quite a bit because I was brought up around worry. And I thought worry was okay. I didn't know it was bad. I just, I worried. <clears throat> I mean, I worried as a little kid. I mean, it sounds weird, but I would go to bed at night and just sit there, you know, in junior high and high school because I didn't do my homework <clears throat> and worry and not sleep for like two hours thinking I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble in three hours. I'm going to get in trouble. I can't believe it. I could have just got up in that two or three hours done my homework and played games and gone back to sleep, but I just stayed up and worried. So it was ingrained into me just to worry and think about the problem, think about the problem. And I would just be ugh, not in a good place. And I just learned how to worry. And once you get that pattern in your life, that's not a good thing to have. <clears throat> it is not helpful. I said, it's not helpful. So after I gave my life to the Lord, I started reading the Bible. That was a novel idea in itself. And, uh, it, you know, because really when I gave my life to the Lord or recommitted my life in 1985, there were like three things I knew. I knew inside, watch out who you hang around with. I knew that. So I knew my friends were going to be important. So the ones that I had were gone. And then... I knew this. I, nobody said anything. I didn't hear a sermon. I knew this. Watch out what music you listen to. Nobody ever told me that. I don't even talk like that. Maybe, you've maybe never heard me say that. But the Lord dealt with me. Be careful what kind of music you listen to. So I changed the music I listened to. 
you know, I used to listen to music. They'd say, riding that train high on cocaine. You know, or I'm on the highway to hell or, you know, whatever else. So the Lord dealt with me. about the, So I just stopped. And then there was one other thing that the Lord dealt with me. Now, he's dealt with me about other things since then, but this was I knew where my failure lied or was laying in this fact when he dealt with me. Just I knew it on the inside. You need to make sure you read your Bible and you need to give time to reading your Bible. Those three things. So you know what I did? <clears throat> I started reading my Bible. And I knew these things were not things that were just for a week or a month or a year. And I knew it. And he knew it. And, I, and, and it wasn't an audible voice. And he knows things better than we do. So I started becoming a student of the Word and giving time to reading the Bible. And I've grown some since then, know a little bit more since then. There's a lot more to know. But I would read, and I started reading every day. And I remember thinking, man, this is daunting. I've been all my life without reading, and now it's been a week. And I started realizing it doesn't matter what's, you know, all the years ahead of me, and it doesn't matter about all the years behind me. It matters what am I going to do about this right now. So you know what I did? I would read my Bible today only. Just today. That's, that's all I was going to do. I'm just going to do it today. Because if you weigh the past and the future against what you've done, it may not look really good. That's why Jesus said, you know, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about these other things. He said, sufficient unto the day is the trouble that's there or the things you're going to face there. So I didn't think about the future. Man, there's all these years left in my life, and I never read the Bible, and now I've read it for two days. That doesn't look really good. But after a, at doing it every day, I came up to where I had read my Bible for a year and never missed a day. And then it went to two years, and three years, and four years, and five years, and six years, and seven years, and eight years, and nine years, and ten years. And then I stopped because I thought, hopefully I'm not just doing this out of ritual. No, I didn't stop reading my Bible. I stopped counting and I have missed a couple of days in those years. But for the most part, I think of it like food. And, you know, and it has helped me. But one of the things that I came across was this thing about worry. And, and I thought, well, I worry about pretty much whatever. You know, because there are things that just get thrown at you that demand you to be worried about it so to speak, on your own. And so 1 Peter 5, notice this in verse 7. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your cares, and that word cares is literally worries, frets, anxieties, and concerns. Are you concerned about something? He said, casting, and notice who does this. He said, he said, casting all your cares. The understood person here is you or me. You cast your care. What does it mean to cast? Throw. Toss it over there. 
whatever. It means to just to cast it over or throw it a certain direction. And he tells you what direction to throw it. He said, casting all your cares upon him. In other words, not just throw these things to the side and go, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. He said, take and throw them on him. And it's interesting, he said, notice, casting all your. So these are yours. These are your cares. These are your worries. These are the things that trouble your heart. And he said, these are yours, but you're to cast all of them. Notice, he didn't say cast other people's cares. He said, you cast yours, the things you're worried about. You have to do something with them. You have to cast them. You have to throw them over onto him. And here's the thing. This is an invitation from him to you not to worry, but to take your worries from you and give them to him. And he didn't just say, well, take them. Just take these cares, Lord, right now from me. He didn't say, take them. Ask him to take them. There's a big difference. Just, just take these cares from me now, Lord, because you know, you know I worry a lot, but just take them from me. There's a big difference between taking and casting. He didn't say he'd take your cares. He said you cast those cares. There is a vast difference. Because I can come over to your house or come take something from you. But he didn't say that. He said you have to cast it. I mean, I, one of my first jobs that I got paid for on a regular basis wasn't my favorite. was a newspaper boy. Oh, I know it wasn't my parents' favorite either because on Sunday we had to load the station wagon with seemed like a thousand newspapers and they had all those ads and they were big and heavy and you had to go around there and then you told people, if you want a paper, come and get it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. And you just yell when you drive. Take it. Just take it. And it's 5 o'clock in the morning while you're driving through their neighborhood going, take it. <laughs> and if you, and you know, for some reason nobody took it. No, you had to cast it into the yard. And you want to know something? There were some places that they would, when you came to collect, you know, that was when you had to collect and you had the little booklet and said, you owe me that you didn't pay last month either. And... And people would tip you and stuff like that. And you thought, oh, that's free money right there. But you had to work for it. But then they'd say, one thing, I told you to porch it. You're like, oh, yeah, you're that porch guy. <clears throat> you know, or we noticed we hadn't gotten a paper. And I'm like, yeah, they're right there in the bushes. And they say, well, I'd appreciate it if you put it in the lawn. And they told you where to cast it. Not just cast it, they told you where. And they didn't say they were just going to take it from you. They said, you have to cast it or throw it here. That was one of the deals. You had the newspaper bags, and you had to take what was in your bag, and you had to cast it. 
And so many people don't realize there is an effort that God requires on your part to get worry out of you and to get it over on him. Not just, you know, if he said porch it, you don't get to throw it in the bushes. Well, just whatever. No. And, you know, because that's how it was, you know. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I had important things to do. And one of them wasn't to deliver newspapers. It was to play with all my friends, you know, in the neighborhood. And I'm in junior high school, and I, you know, so, and bunch of us had gotten newspaper routes, you know, and for one paper, the other paper, and we'd be riding around and we'd say, well, we'll get meat back here, you know. And so when you're in a hurry, you know, you can not slow down and go, I think that was pretty good. No, you got to slow down and get it where it belonged. And there were some people you knew. Turn around, go back. Get off your bike, go get that paper, climb under the car. Nobody's ever done that? They had a newspaper out? I did. And get underneath the car, get that thing out, and put it over there. And when we're talking about casting our cares on the Lord, he's telling you, get what's in your bags. You know, because you had those bags that were either on your shoulders or you learned how to put them on your handlebars. It wasn't always good to keep them on your neck. Because if you ever, ever unloaded the front and they're all in the back, you feel like you're getting choked. You know, like, hey, man. And uh, you spin that around. But you got to get them all out and you got to get them on the right place. Not some of them. Because they tell you how many papers you have. And you load it and you have those exact amount of papers. You need to get those papers out. You got to get them all out. Not half of them, not some of them, but all of them. All of them. All of them out. And where do they belong? Not just flung everywhere. And he said, casting all your newspapers on the porch because this is right. But notice what he said. He said, casting all your cares upon him for he cares about you. He is concerned about you. Therefore, take and get your cares on him. And how many times do people pray things like, take this from my life, take this from my life, take this now, Lord, take this away from me. But you don't find prayers like that in the Bible. And this is helpful because if you hear this the way you may hear it, then you'll say, well, Lord, he talked about not having worry. Take it all away from me. You know I'm in a hurry right now. And how many times are prayers like that? Let's just, we see you're facing this thing. Let's just, let's just all pray right now. Oh, Lord, just take this away from them. Like he's going to just come and reach in and take it. Now, there can be things like that, but you see where the responsibility here lies on the individual to take and cast it. You get it all out, and you don't just get it out. You get it out on him. And notice why we do this. He said, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 
because he's concerned about you. That means every believer he is concerned about. But it's interesting, it didn't stop. He said, be sober or literally clear-minded. Be vigilant and watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, lion seeking, or a roaring liar, because he be lying, seeking whom he may devour. What is he talking about? Worry. Lies will try to assail your mind and say it's not working, it can't work, and it won't work out. That's why you've got to get it over on the Lord so you can be sober-minded or clear-minded. And notice what he said after in verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. So you can resist these lies that come against you. If you're going to be a non-worrier, you're going to have to stand your ground. When thoughts come against you, you're going to have to say in Jesus' name, no, I refuse to worry. And when you pray, you need to cast your care on him. How do you do that? It's a trust issue. If you can define what your worry is, you can take that thing and say, God, I give you this care. Now, it's not giving it to him expecting nothing to happen. It's a giving to him because you trust him to work it out. I give it to you right now. I trust that you are now working on this. That means I'm not holding this. I give it to you. I believe now that you're at work in that situation. Now, if I'm going to worry, I'm going to be entertaining the problem. But if I really trust that I've given it to him, then I expect him to be working on it the minute I start talking to him and get it into his hands. Here's what happens is some people are really good at getting it over to them. But have you ever had something like gooey or something? You like put it there and then it's stuck on this finger. And then you try to get it off that one and it's on the other one. You know, when you first start out, sometimes it's like that. You know, you push it off with this one and it's on the other one. You know, and you're like, you know, have you ever done that? Like, okay, I'm going to push this down on my foot. Now it's off my hands. Now it's on my foot. But if you work with it, you can eventually get it off. The issue is you need to get it off on him. So you need to pray believing that he has it. You give it to him. And notice he said giving all your cares. You can clean it all out of your life. You know, modern math today doesn't, all doesn't always mean all. You know, if I had 12 M&Ms or 100 M&Ms and I had 12 left, that doesn't mean I gave them all. If I give it all, that means I have none left. If I give them to you, you then have all of those M&Ms. 99 is not all. Well, it just gives me something to do, you know, to chew on something. No, because worry does make you do that. 
it makes you chew something and just think on it and think on it and see the wrong and think on it and think on it. And God does not want you to do that. When you cast it over on him, instead of you now pondering it all the time, you're allowing him to work on it. Because really the answers that we need in prayer are a faith and trust issue. They really are. And so if I'm worrying and stuff like that, I'm trying to figure out how I can do this. And don't get me wrong. If, if you've got to do your homework, you've got to do your homework. Well, I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. Lord, I give it over to you. <laughs> He'll say, well, okay, don't worry about it, but get up and do it. But there are some things that you can't resolve like that that you just got to get over on him. And really, you can tell when you're worrying because your focus is on the problem. And you're, it's not on things that are profitable. Worry literally in the Bible. Turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter. Worry in the Bible is interesting because the meaning literally means to divide the mind. To divide the mind or to cut it in half. What does that mean? You've got your mind on the problem, and you've got your mind on the Lord. It's a divided mind. And when you're worrying, you might be all going, oh, God, help me, but you've got a real big place where you've got your mind fixed on the problem. You can face a problem without your mind fixed on it, and it will help you. I used to, believe it or not, since you guys all know me mostly, and no, I, don't, I really don't have an issue with temper. But if you knew me before, whole other program. Serious. Like serious, serious. Another program. And I mean, I get mad at people. I, I never got mad at my girlfriend, though. But it's interesting because you can choose. People don't realize that. They just think, I've got a temper. No, you can control it. But I know this. When I started getting in the Bible, I man, I had a temper, and I'd blow up over all kinds of stuff. I'd be working on a car, hit my fingers with a wrench. You know, it slips off. Bam. Ugh. But do you know you can grow out of these things? You can learn to resist that. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a right place to be angry. Because the Bible said, be angry and don't sin. Somebody said, well, good. <clears throat> but here's the thing. We can get over some of these things, grow out of these things, develop out of these things, resist these things, because God just isn't going to take your temper away either. But we can resist things, and we can get the upper hand on them until we master them. Nobody said amen. Well, let's just keep reading then. Philippians, the fourth chapter. So when we cast our cares, our anxieties, our frets, our worries, and things like that over on the Lord, that means they're not on me. I may not do this and hear this so you don't lose this. 
you may not do as good today at getting your cares on the Lord as you will in the future, if, but if you'll put it into practice, you'll start getting better. <clears throat> and, and you can get past these things. You with me? And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll recognize, I don't worry anymore. You know, you can get there. Now, don't get me wrong. Like one person said, I've passed up a lot of wonderful opportunities to worry. And for the most part, it's not a big thing. But there's a couple times, you know, something gets, tries to get on you and make you worry. No, I can cast that care on the Lord and then I can resist the opportunity to take it back. Notice this, so we pray, we cast our care on the Lord, but if I properly have put my cares on the Lord, then that means I'm not going to be focusing on them. I am going to be believing that they're in His hands and He is working on my behalf. That's what trust is. I believe He's working now on my behalf. Worry says, oh, it ain't happening. It's going to get worse. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. You're in trouble. Notice this. This to me is real interesting because he talks about worry here and he talks about it in prayer. He talks about what to do. And then after he tells us to pray or not be worried about things, he tells us to couple our prayer with something. Notice this in Philippians 4, verse 6. He said, be anxious, which means worry, fret, anxiety. Don't be anxious for nothing or in nothing, but in everything. Remember casting all your cares? He said, in everything, every area. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer or different types of prayer and supplication. What is supplication? It is a type of prayer. It just means a humble request. Notice, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So he tells us we need to come to God and pray. And when you pray, it just means talk. You say, I'm giving you this. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to be bothered by this. I trust that you will work on this and give it to him. But he said this here that he didn't say over there. Notice what he said as he went on. He said, pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Praise and thanks to God is not just what we do when we sing those songs up here. But it should be coupled together with this type of prayer. And it also is with other types of prayer. But this one literally is this way. If I have an issue and I say, God, I'm casting this over on you. I believe you are working this out. You're fixing this now. I'm not going to worry. I give it to you. If it is gone because I believe it, wouldn't I just give thanks? 
I mean, would I keep going, okay, God, now I know you got this, but come on, God. Come on, God. You know, you're worrying. That's not praying. That's worrying. There's a difference between worrying with God, too, and praying. So when I give that to him, after I believe it's in his hands, my heart will start to get settled. You know what you need to do? Give thanks. Thanks for what? For the missionaries? Well, I just thank you for all the missionaries. No, no, no. Thank you for my dog. My dog's been faithful. No, your dog might be faithful. But if you, whatever it is you were worrying about and you give it to him, you need to couple that with thanksgiving. Like what? Thank you, God. It is now in your hands. Because it's in your hands. It's not in my heart, and it's not in my hands. I thank you in Jesus' name. You have it. You're working on it. It's not mine anymore. It's yours. My worry is in your hands because you told me to put it there, and so I thank you that it is done. Here's what will happen, and it won't happen until you do it his way. Not just pray and cast it, but pray and cast it, or cast it in your prayer. And he said, do it with thanksgiving. Here's what will happen to you. Your heart will become untroubled. Your mind will get settled. And God will begin to work because you vacated things and you're not focused on the problem. What will happen is his peace will begin to affect your heart. Because when you worry, you have a troubled heart. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Those are signs of worry and fear when your heart is troubled. And he commanded, he said, don't let it. He didn't say, pray to God and say, God, take this from me. You know I don't like it. He didn't like it either. But he, Jesus said, don't you let your heart be troubled. Don't you let it be afraid. And he gave us instructions how to do it. So once you cast the care on him, he will start working there. But he doesn't want to just work on the problem. He wants to get you back in a right state. We all know that if the moon was, you know, you hear this, it was so many feet closer to the planet, it would mess up the waves and the ocean and the tides and all this stuff. When things are out of order in our life, it messes up the tide too, and the waves are crashing and everything's going on. But when you make the adjustment, then the, the flow gets back and it becomes the order by which God created it to be, and then there becomes a calm. But notice this. He said this in verse, verse 7. After you pray and cast your care on the Lord, and you then give thanksgiving. You don't give thanks first, you give it after. After when? After you've talked to the Lord and give it to Him. Then you start giving thanks. Why would you give thanks? Because I don't got it anymore. That's a really good reason to give thanks. I don't have it anymore. Wow, thank you, God, because he cares for you. He told you to give it to him. Ah, I feel like I'm being irresponsible. No, you're actually being responsible. And so, well, what am I going to do with my day? I'm used to worrying all day. Enjoy some peace. 
Notice this. He said, after you pray and cast your care, and then you're to give thanks. You are to thank him that it's in his hands, and he is presently working. He said, if you will do those things, you ever wanted God to move in your life? You ever said, I want to experience God? You want to know something? When I really got a hold of this, it was probably about two and a half years where it finally settled in because I heard somebody teach on it instead of me just seeing stuff. I started putting this into practice, and I saw God start working in my life. I started seeing answers to prayer, real ones, where people didn't even know and stuff started happening. And then what was amazing was I would sense the divine peace of God flood my heart and affect my mind. And it was so real, I was like wanting everybody to do this. You, got a pro- you worried? Are you worried? You're, you're missing out. Because it was so real. I did what he said. I cast my care, and I gave thanks. And then it says, and the peace of God. And the peace of God. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives peace. Some people go to the mountains to experience peace, and I'm cool with that, but I don't have to go to the mountains to find God's peace, because you won't find God's peace there. The only reason it's there is because you're there. But you can have it anywhere, but this kind of peace, he said, would do something to you. And it's connected to this, because God always endorses his word. If you need to be saved and you believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again and confess with your mouth him as your Lord, then he'll work in you and give you a brand new spirit, transform you and remove your sins. Because he always confirms when we act in line from the heart what he said. And so here he said, if you do these things, then this is what God would do. He'll go to work on the situation, but he'll go to work on you. Notice this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard or garrison about, it's a military term, your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And then he tells us how to maintain it by thinking on things that are pure, just, true, lovely, and on and on and on after that. And he said, if you practice these things, he said, the God of peace, you'll recognize he's with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. I'll tell you what, it'd be exciting right now if somebody was worried. Say, why? Because you could cast that on the Lord right now. I mean, think about it. Your whole day could totally change. I mean, not that we're like, oh, I'm so excited. Bring somebody who's worried. <laughs> you know, it's exciting, you know, just I like to see worried people. No, it's what can happen to them. You know, bring a lost person because it's exciting what can happen to them. Bring a worried person because, you know, and here's the thing, you're never too big spiritually to eventually be able to hold some worry. Well, you know, I've just grown in the Lord now. <clears throat> and uh, now that I've grown in the Lord some, I just I can handle some of this worry. No, you were not created that way. So you never are allowed to carry it. And if you are, you're doing something wrong, and the Lord would like you to cast that care on him. 
because he cares for you.